You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. of potential holes and questions for this Padres roster, especially in terms of depth and what will go right and what will go wrong. What if there are injuries? Well, let's talk about some potential targets down the line. Way too early trade deadline predictions on today's episode, folks. You know what you're listening to? Let's get started. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, Friday, uh, March 10th. As always, I'm your host with Sometimes Occasionally, but I promise you, certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You may be familiar with some of my baseball-related writing work over at Just Baseball, where I recently wrote about Miguel Cabrera. You should go check that out. Really fun writing about that, how this could be a swan song in the World Baseball Classic. You could also go find me on Twitter, at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. But if you don't like some of my dumb pop culture type of tweets, don't worry. At LO underscore Padres has Padres dumb memes for you and analysis all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? So go check that out. And thank you once again for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Free to available on plat- all platforms. For today's episode, guys, we are talking because, look, I ain't going to lie to you. Sometimes not too much is going on. This is just what happens. Or at least maybe I'm not creative enough to think of anything. Right? Not too much news. There's a little bit of news that we might talk about at the end of the show. But for today, I want to talk about trade deadline targets. And this is more in a reaction to some of the concerns. You know, one of the last episodes I did was the biggest fears for the Padres going into 2023. And a big thing of that is the back of the rotation, right? And I think that that started to make me think, all right, what are the kind of trade targets? You know what I mean? What's going on? We're already seeing some teams get hit with injuries, and have a lot of questions for the rest of their roster. The Yankees, Carlos Rodon, their big, big, big free agent target and acquisition, aside from re-signing Aaron Judge, he's starting off the season in the IL, and, it, and they're saying, like, best-case scenario, it would be great if he was back in April. So that that's weird. That's, that's a weird way to start. So I imagine the Yankees are going to be looking for people at the trade deadline, potentially. So I felt like, let's talk about it from the Padres' perspective. Um, and I want to start off first by just giving some of my thoughts on the most obvious names. And then I have some kind of low-key, under-the-radar names that I think might blow up and become more common, commonly known as I think we get to um, the trade deadline, in my opinion. Um, or maybe even before the trade deadline. We'll see. Because Lord knows A.J. Preller, ladies and gentlemen, you know. Oh, man. Mm-mm. The man doesn't like to sit still. So let's talk about him, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about the first, I, I'll call like the core four of the kind of, I think, who are going to be the names that are talked about the most um, at the deadline this year, um, at, at least at least three of them. I think the fourth one might be like more of a, a baseball fan type of player, where I think more people will who follow baseball will be more interested in him. But we'll see how it uh, transpires. But let's talk about the big ones first. Those are Corbin Burns. Okay, Corbin Burns. Yeah, the guy that everybody's talking about. The second one is the outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. That only let me activate my my technique. Only today. Well, I break my rule of not saying his name on the show. Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Shohei Otani, who you might have heard of, who's currently doing okay things in the World Baseball Classic. And Christian Walker um, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think those are going to be the four kind of big-ish names that start coming out from the deadline. Um, this has to do with both the teams 
in terms of how I think they're going to perform. This has to do just in terms of rumors, especially with Brian Reynolds. Um, and I think that in the case of all these, I don't really see many of them being all that acquirable for the Padres. I think Christian Walker is perhaps the most realistic. And don't get me wrong, I know what you're thinking. Well, they have they have Cronenworth. I know. I'm. T- this is another big thing about this early, way too early trade deadline. Uh, predictions and targets is that it has to do with I don't know how the roster is going to shake up I don't know if there's going to be an injury so I'm trying to remove positions from that equation Um, I know that there are other positions the Padres need more right outfielder starting pitchers potentially relief pitchers depending on the health of Drew Pomeranz I get that but for the sake of this exercise I'm kind of removing the positional thing but I will say with Jake Cronenworth this is a guy who among first basemen in baseball um, at least who we're expected to be uh, first baseman for baseball. I think that Jake Cronenworth, there's a real concern that it's like, you know, usually with first base, you get a lot of power, right? At least usually. Uh, you usually kind of get that. And among, like, the current first base kind of look look at, I, I can't even speak today, the current first base landscape there, that's the word for you. Um, Jake Cronenworth is certainly not looking like the biggest power guy out there. Um, Nathaniel Lowe is a bigger power guy. Jose Abreu is a bigger power guy. Pete Alonzo, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, Ty France even, Reese Hoskins, Josh Bell, right? Even Ryan Mountcastle when he plays there. And then you're going to have Jay Cronenworth who, you know, he has a hint of pop. I think his uh, power might be a little bit underrated. But Christian Walker, in terms of isolated power, in terms of overall power metrics, and something that Padres fans have not been able to experience in a long time, good defensive skills at first base. I don't know if Jake's going to transition fully over there. I don't think he's bad, but Christian Walker literally won a gold glove last year. So I think that that's a thing worth kind of putting up. And this is a guy who hit um, 36 home runs last year. And I think he could be a guy that won't cost nearly as much. But then here's the problem. Uh, It's in division. (laughs) It's in division. I think that that could raise some issues. I do not foresee the Diamondbacks giving up uh, Christian Walker to the Padres, right? So that's kind of why I think he'll be one of the... Um, guys that is just, we're, we're going to be looking at him from far and just being like, man, it would be, would have been really fun to have that guy like years ago though, when we were suffering with Hosmer. But uh, I don't think that that's a viable target for the Padres. Otani, I will say this about Otani. If there were a time to acquire Shohei Otani, I actually think it might be more realistic for the Padres to like sneak in if they're doing really well and trade for him at the deadline, and then maybe they can talk to him and do a contract extension. I just feel like if they if Shohei Otani makes it to free agency, I just think that there are other teams that are ready to cash the check a little bit more than the Padres, just a little bit. We'll have to see how the Juan Soto extensions go, right? Like That that plays a huge part into this if they're not ex- able to extend him. Maybe they're just going to throw the bag at Shohei Otani and say, hey, look at our team, look how great we are, our uprising culture, whatever. And then I think the problem, though, is that, you know... Uh, the Mets, the Dodgers didn't do too much this offseason, and you were already getting reports that they're ready to throw the bag at him. You've got the San Francisco Giants, who struck out on two big free agents uh, this offseason, right? So that's my big thing. I think that there are other teams that, if it comes down to it, will be able to offer more. At the trade deadline, though, and I think the Angels aren't going to be very good, and we're going to talk about some other players on that team in a little bit. Uh, I just think that they haven't shown me any reason to believe that this will finally be the year that they live up to their talent or support two of the most talented players we've seen in the last like 50 years in baseball um, in both Trout and Otani. Uh, but I just don't know if the Padres have enough, even if it would only be a rental for half a year. 
uh, I still think that would cost you like a Jackson Merrill. I, I, that, I really do. And I don't think the Angels are going to do that. I think the Angels are going to try and milk out for maybe just for blockbuster financial reasons and have people want to come to their games. Uh, just going to try and milk out the Otani thing for as long as they can. But that's just me. And then the last two are Corbin Burns and Brian Reynolds. Corbin Burns is a player that every Padres fan is currently talking about. Um, <laughs> which I love. I think it's uh, fantastic that they're talking about him. He's a great pitcher, um, elite pitcher, uh, one of the four or five best in baseball. And ever since his whole sort of scuffle with management, I, I should call it, uh, people have been wondering, you know, is this guy going to get traded? I don't know. I I wonder what's going to happen with the Brewers. I don't I don't really trust that team in terms of them trading at the right time. You know what I mean? They're the type of team that when they're good, they'll do trades, and when they're bad, they won't. Uh, that's just what it feels like. The Cleveland Guardians were were like this, or not the Cleveland Guardians, Cincinnati Reds syndrome, where they just buy, buy, buy when they're not a good team, and when they're great, they just refuse to go over the top to try and compete. Um, a little bit like that for the Brewers, and I also just think that they're the Corbin Burns isn't necessarily a target that I think the Padres need need. Um, it would cost you the rest of your farm that you're trying to regenerate right now, which I'm not a big fan of, um, and then he'd be a free agent after next year, which is good. But that also means he would cost more because of the club control. I think it's more likely that if anything goes down, maybe Brandon Woodruff becomes a guy that's available. I know no one's really talking about that. Bring back Eric Lauer to the Padres. Uh, I mean, I just think that those guys might be a little bit more attainable. And to be honest with you, if things are going well uh, for the Padres, again, this is assuming things. If there are injuries in the starting rotation to some of their top guys, which I hope there won't be, then maybe Corbin Burns is the type of guy that the Padres are going to move out and be like, we don't care. We're still, we still want to go for it this year, so we'll go for him. If everybody's healthy and their pitching rotation is fine enough, I don't think they're going to go in that direction, and I don't know if they should. I think that they should try and get it back at the end of the rotation guy, just help them get through the regular season because they've got some big-time boys to help them out in the playoffs, and especially with that bullpen, I think it could be fine. Um, and then the last guy is Brian Reynolds in terms of the elite sort of free agent, or I should say trade targets. But before we talk about him, ladies and gentlemen, before we talk about him, I just want to take one quick second to talk about something that is, I'm not tired of talking about. You know, I'm tired of talking about Brian Reynolds, to be perfectly honest with you. This guy's been in trade rumors for like three years. Enough, Pittsburgh. But I'm not tired of talking about built bars. The best protein bars, the most delicious treats on the market, ladies and gentlemen. I've been trying to get healthier. I've been working out, you know, getting strong. You know what I'm saying? Look at these guns. You know what I'm saying? Using my exercise bike and whatnot. But every now and then, I get a taste uh, for the sweet. I want some sweet. I want something to give me that sweet tooth appetite. It's so great. So I go to Built Bar. And Built Bar helps me out because on top of just tasting really good and covered in 100% chocolate um, and having a whole ton of flavors, right? Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almonds. The best thing about them is they are healthy for you. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Woo! Oh, boy. It's good, right? I know. I don't know how they do it. It doesn't make any sense that you can taste good and be healthy at the same time. I always thought that that was a myth. I really did. I And I, I still, if there is a higher power, I am upset that you did not make food that is just delicious and also healthy. I think that it is cruel uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting on a tangent there, but you get my point. And also, you don't just have to get them at BuiltBar.com. You can get them at your Sam's Club or Walmart, 4-bar boxes, 13-bar boxes, you can thank me later. Go check them out, guys. Built Bars are the truth. And we're back, everybody, here on this old podcast talking about trade targets. 
uh, and way too early. Uh, the season hasn't even started yet. But guess what? I wanted to do it anyway. Um, because what better than to talk about trade targets? Everybody loves that, right? Let's quickly finish up on Brian Reynolds. It's possible that the Pirates are just playing a game of... Um, what's the word? Just trying to ramp up his value. They want him to have another great season. So at the trade deadline this year, they can offload him for even more. Because last year... F four was down. He had a he had a fine season, but he was he was significantly worse last year than he was the previous season. So maybe they want him to have one more good year and whatnot, and then they offload him because it just doesn't seem like I, I just don't know how this ends. I don't see a world in which Brian Reynolds accepts an extension from the from the well, wow from the Pirates. Um, I just don't think they've offered enough, and I think that he's made that abundantly clear. Uh, and with the years of control, that's great. But again, this guy isn't Mantle. And I think that the idea that the Pirates are hoping for a Juan Soto package, reportedly, or at least something like it, is why that this deal hasn't happened yet. I think a lot of teams are saying, this guy's really good, we like him, but what are you doing? Like, we know you're not going to pay him. That's that's another thing. We know you're not going to pay him, and we know you're rebuilding, so why should we give you all these assets when we could probably just sign the guy in a couple years anyway? So that's how I kind of feel about it. Um He'd be, he would be a perfect fit. I think that's what gives him a lot of value and why a lot of people are talking about him. He kind of fits on, like, every team. Decent enough defensive player. He can hit for power, hit for average, get on base. And he's young. He's had prospects sort of pedigree before, right? Like, he's had some really good years so far. This isn't just a one-hit wonder type of thing. I think that's why he's getting talked about. But I think the package is probably going to be too massive because I think he's going to have a pretty good year. Um, and I don't think the Padres can do that right now. And I, But I will say, unlike a Corbin Burns emptying the farm type of trade. I think I would actually like that a little bit more for Brian Reynolds. Corbin Burns is a better player, but again, if the Padres rotation is all healthy and everything is working right, I don't think you need to add another super-duper star like that. I think there are other options out there, potentially, um, that could at least fill the void enough for the Padres to make it through. But what do I know? I'm, I'm an idiot. Every time I say this, they end up making a big trader signing. So don't listen to me. Turn off the podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's my thoughts on Brian Reynolds. Those are the four kind of biggest guys. I think that are going to emerge at the trade deadline. But here are some interesting names that I think everyone should keep written down. And I think that when it comes to trade deadline talk and way too early talk, biggest takeaway I want everyone to have from this episode is just keep an eye on these teams in general, right? Just watch them, see how they do in the standings. And depending on how those players perform, right? Or are they doing poorly? Maybe you can get them for lower. Maybe if they start performing better, that means you have to pay up more. I think that they should still be on your radar no matter what happens. Um, and I think that the teams, uh, right? Like, I think the Angels are a great example. If the Angels, for whatever reason, are able to do well, then their targets are off the board. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I don't see them trading Joe Adele. I don't see them trading Taylor Ward or Otani, any guys like that. But if they're doing poorly, then yeah, every single player on that team all of a sudden becomes very, very appealing. Um, I think a good example of a player that, depending on how the team is doing, is on those aforementioned Angels. And I have two for you. Hunter Renfro, old friend, and Matt Moore, relief pitcher. Here's the thing. Hunter Renfro has not been uh, that incredible of a player, don't get me wrong. But the last two seasons, this is a guy that you could get for significantly less, I think, than a Brian Reynolds type. He had a 2.5 F4 last year, 2 F4 the previous year. He plays not great defense, although he did have one outlier year that makes me question whether or not he could at least have something a little bit like it when he had 12 defensive runs saved, and that was in 2019 for the Padres, and then he had six outs above average. He can throw guys out sometimes. He's made a couple blips in the playoffs before that were weird, 
But his defense isn't that bad. And I think for the Padres, the biggest thing here is power. This is a team that has struggled with power. And I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, that's because it was just Manny Machado last year. I know, I know, I do. I'm just saying if there were a situation that were to arise, similar to 2021, where the Padres' offense was okay, but they just did not have enough slugging, they did not have enough power, I think Hunter Renfro is a guy to keep an eye on, especially if the Angels don't do well. He had a 124 WRC plus last year. He hit, what is it, 29 home runs for the Brewers. Granted, a hitter-friendly park, but then he also hit 31 the year before. So I think the power is totally legit. Yes, the strikeouts can be rough, but let's say the Pir- the Padres, maybe Tatis doesn't come back to full- being fully healthy. Maybe Xander Bogarts is a great player, but he doesn't hit for the-, the type of power you want. Same thing for Jake. Same thing for Trent Grisham. Same thing for all these guys, right? I know that Soto and Manny Machado are probably going to be fine, but it's just it's at least worth looking into. Uh, I think Hunter Renfro, and I don't think it's going to cost you that much. And it would be quite fun because I've said this before, Hunter Renfro looks like the best baseball player in the world if you only watch highlights. Like, it's actually insane. Whether it's the throwing guys out, especially that Boston year when he was throwing out runners, or uh, in terms of his home runs, the multi-home run games, that's a guy I would keep an eye out for. The other guy I mentioned was Matt Moore. Matt Moore, I think, is going to be a guy that absolutely starts getting mentioned in every single trade deadline target article. This is a guy who's reinvented himself. He has prospect pedigree. He was once upon a time a rookie of the year type of dude for the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey, Will Myers, former rookie of the year that we got from the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Not the greatest analogy comparison because he didn't do the best for the Padres, but still uh, stick with me. I think he's reinventing himself. And it reminds me a little bit of the Drew Pomerantz situation. He's going to be on the Angels this year, and he's done a lot better in a relief pitcher role. And again, as I expect the Angels not to do well, this could be a target. Relief pitching is definitely not something that I foresee the Padres needing, but relief pitching is always something that you just kind of look to retool at the deadline, even good teams. It's just a good way to make a move if you're already having a good team in my experience, right? So you look at 2020, right, when the Padres traded for Rosenthal, where it was kind of like, well, their, their bullpen has been okay, but it's always nice to get that extra piece just in case someone's underperforming or injured, as was the case that year with Kirby Yates. I think that could potentially be a guy to look into, um, but he will be popular. I do predict that. I think he's going to be one of the most popular relief pitchers at the deadline, second only to David Bednar of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Same thing goes here. This is a guy who uh, you know was acquired via, if I'm not mistaken, was he the Musgrove trade? I'm kind of forgetting. Um, I'm going to look this up right now. I think he was part of the Musgrove trade. I can't remember. Um, no, was it? Let me see. David Bednar trade. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But wherever the heck they got him from, David Bednar is going to be really, really up there. I think the biggest name in relief pitching um, next to... Um, Matt Moore, I just think Matt Moore has got the name value, and a lot of people are going to be excited about him. So I'd keep an eye on him. But say you're wondering, oh, well, what about some cheaper relief pitching options? Don't worry, I got some for you. Brock Burke of the Texas Rangers, that bullpen was an absolute mess last year, and he was striking out guys left and right and was the only relief pitcher that was kind of looked at as being someone who could salvage that team. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was the only relief pitcher that they could count on. Chris Martin ended up developing a little bit more later, but he's hurt right now. So, you know, I, I, the, the the Rangers' bullpen can get a little bit interesting this year. Brock Burke is a guy that I don't think will attract the same level of attention as these other guys. He can occasionally throw two innings. Wouldn't it be a bad one, especially if the Rangers don't do all that well this year? Although I think that they actually will, so I won't be expecting that as much. Other relief pitchers, 
Kendall Graveman. You've heard this name before. He's pretty good. Uh, Kendall Graveman's funny. Uh, I still remember him from that Mariners trade and how the Mariners were uh, freaking out because they traded him away. Um, and that, that frustrated people, obviously. Um, and now he is on, if I'm not mistaken, the Chicago White Sox. And the Chicago White Sox are another team to keep an eye on because they might not be very good. Again, they might not be very good. This could become a disaster quickly, and they might offload a lot of their guys. I've even heard people say Tim Anderson could be on the block. I could see it. Luis Robert? Maybe not him. But they have a lot of players that I think could be on the block, and I think that Kendall Graveman, if the Padres need some bullpen assistance, say Tim Hill doesn't return to his form and he came and be used in a specialist role and he looks a lot like what he did last year maybe Craig Stammen really falls off the cliff right Drew Pomeranz doesn't come back all that healthy the the loss of Austin Adams hurts them totally possible so those are some relief pitchers to keep an eye on oh and Jose Cesarno of the Detroit Tigers he doesn't fully impress this is not a guy who's been the most consistent relief pitcher in baseball certainly ERA the past two years has not been all that great. But 1.08 last year, he might have discovered something, has decent fastball velocity and spin, and on a bad Tigers team, and I think that he's going to be very easy to acquire. So just keep an eye on him. I don't know if he's going to be good, but just just mark him down. That way, if Nostradamus Reyes here is right, you can give him some props, all right? Because Javi needs some props. He, he always loves nice words and kind sentiments. You know what I'm saying? Um... Last couple players I want to mention, Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox as well. Uh, this is an old starting pitcher. Um, I think that there are other starting pitchers on the market, certainly, that will emerge. But I think him, along with Martin Perez, two teams, again, depends on how those teams perform. But Martin Perez and Lance Lynn have had success before, especially the, the, the latter. Um, and I think that with Perez, there is... Uh, not with Perez, with Lance Lynn. That guy has given a lot of innings before, and he's a gamer. He's pitched well in high-leverage kind of situations, which I like. And I think it's kind of cool to have a savvy vet, especially if he's, like, your fourth starter. It's possible that if he has another good year that he could be, like, the third starter on this Padres team in terms of number three. So that would be a name to keep an eye on for sure, in my opinion. I don't think Dylan Cease is going anywhere. I think Giolito just might not be all that great. Uh, I don't know. Lucas Giolito. He was really rough last year, so I don't think that's a target. I think Lance Lynn because of the consistency uh, for contending teams, and the Padres are one of those. Then the last one, this one's a bit of a joke, Robbie Grossman of the Texas Rangers. I can't get off this guy. I just can't. I can't get off the guy. I just think he's a solid player. I think that his defense isn't that great. I don't think he'll cost literally anything, but if he has a good year, I just like his eye at the plate. I think his power would play differently in a different park, and... Just in terms of his walk-strikeout ratio is pretty good. He doesn't swing at pitches outside the zone. So for whatever reason, the Padres say, all right, we need a little bit of a backup guy. Maybe he can platoon with someone. Maybe Robbie Grossman. Whatever. Not not the best target. This is like really bargain bin hunting that I'm talking about right now, guys. But still, I keep an eye on him. Um, and I think those are kind of – that's basically it for trade targets, ladies and gentlemen. But before we close out the show, I got to talk about Mr. Adrian Mornahone. I figured, because we got a little bit of time left. We got a little bit of time left, guys. But before we talk about that, I need to talk about something else that has to do with time. All right? We're at the midway. Not even at the midway. We're at more than the midway point of the NBA season. And that means it's time for you to get your wagers in. It's time for you to to take advantage of the anti-Nikola Jokic narrative and start making your wagers on Giannis Antetokounmpo or Jason Tatum or Joel Embiid for MVP. You know who can help you do that? FanDuel. 
That's right, America's number one sports book. New customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super, and I mean super, easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drains, steals, rebounds, blocks, um, crazy technical fouls. Maybe not that, but still, you can bet on everything, guys. It's really great, um, and you should go check it out. I already talked about the MVP stuff. Remember, don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet. Uh, up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook betting partner of the NBA. And we're back, everybody, on this here Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember, make a, if you're uh, listening to us, always remember to keep making us your first listen every day. And I forgot to mention also, if you're watching the video, check out the Tatis bobblehead in the description below. Um, love having him hang out with me. It's really great. Um, so yeah, those are basically all the trade deadline guys from Kendall Graveman to Matt Moore to Hunter Renfro to obviously you got your Shohei Otani's ones and we're going to talk about them as the season goes on, especially with other hosts um, of this year Locked On Network and friends of mine who might be a little bit more uh, well-versed in how their teams are planned. But I think that those are just some guys to keep an eye on that might become targets. They might not be. I think the first four that I mentioned are going to be very popular and talked about constantly, I think, for most of the year. I think um, Christian Walker, I think, actually might not necessarily because I think that that's, that team is rebuilding and might be pretty okay. Um, but the rest of those guys, you're going to hear about them nonstop. So definitely, I expect them to be on the market. Um, and some of those other guys are just me guys, you know, especially Robbie Grossman. I don't know why. I don't know why I believe in that guy so much. It's so dumb. But whatever. I'm saying this that way, you got that way I can take a victory lap if he has a good season and I could just laugh at all of you. Anyway, last thing I want to quickly touch on is Adrian Mortajon and just a concern um, of him. Talked a lot on this show. It's widely believed that it's between him, Ryan Weathers, Jay Groom, Adrian Mortajon, obviously, and Julio Tehran. You know, who's going to get that last starting pitching spot? Jay Groom has looked pretty good um, in spring training. Looks really solid, looks steady, and that's great considering he was kind of the afterthought piece acquired from the Eric Hosmer trade to the Boston Red Sox. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But um, Adrian Monahon got a little bit lit up the other day. And by a little bit lit up, I'm talking one and a third's innings and giving up five runs. Um, don't get me wrong. I have already said that you need to be careful uh, with judging too much about spring training. That guys are trying out new things. And so you might be saying, well, what the heck, man? You said guys try out things. I mean, Carlos Rodon got lit up the other day. Now he's hurt, but he got lit up, and Yankees friends were freaking out. And they were saying, well, Max Scherzer doesn't get lit up. So what? Max Scherzer has nothing to prove in spring training. Maybe he doesn't want to tinker with anything. Garrett Cole got absolutely destroyed one of his first spring starts after signing with the Yankees. But unlike those guys, Adrian Monahone is trying to make the team. He's trying to make that last rotation spot. So this matters a little bit more for him. And against the Angels... He took the loss. He he gave up all of the runs in this game. This is back on... Hold on, let me just point out and make sure. This is on Tuesday. He gave up five earned runs on five... Or seven hits, I'm sorry. Um, and only struck out two. He didn't walk anybody, which was good. But 12.46 ERA right there. 2.77 whip. My fear for Adrian Monejon is that this is another uh, Chris Paddock situation. 
And I'm bringing up Chris Paddock for, for two reasons. One, because I think it's a fair comp. But two, because it's an easier player for me to mention to Padres listeners because he's a recent Padre and because he is just an, a good avatar for the kind of um, uh, um, skill kind of issue that Adrian Monahone has. And that issue is that I think that people are just sitting on his fastball. I think that it's too straight. The velo is good. Don't get me wrong. He's got good extension. He's got good swing. But I think he focuses a little bit too much on the fastball, and he doesn't trust his secondary pitches. For Chris Paddock, it was his changeup. That was the pitch that he threw the most, and or at least the second most. It was like you know 50-40 split between that and his fastball, something like that, back when he was with the Padres. But he didn't trust his fastball as much. And as a result, that started taking away from some of the other stuff that he did well, which was his changeup, which was the fact that he didn't walk too many batters. With Adrian Monahon, I'm wondering, yeah, his fastball's pretty good, but it's also a little bit too straight, and he relies on it so much that batters are kind of being able to tee off on it. That's what I'm worried about. And what happened with Paddock was a little bit similar, where, yeah, his changeup was good, but he wasn't he didn't have he didn't have enough secondary pitches that people started getting better at hitting his changeup and they would just wait for his fastball right that's what i think is going on right now they're waiting for the the one time he throws a curve or whatever the heck for morhon and they're kind of teeing off on it and i don't think the fastball is that incredible that it works enough to carry him right trevor rogers of the marlins is another good example he had a rough year last year after having one of the best baseball fastballs in his rookie year, like among all pitchers, it was incredible. He located it really well. The, the run value numbers on it were phenomenal, especially for a rookie. It was just pretty unhittable. Nestor Cortez, right? Now, Nestor Cortez hasn't gotten worse, but Nestor Cortez has like a really unique rising fastball that just keeps getting hitters. That's the key is that there's some movement on it. So I'm just a little bit worried as we close out today's episode that that's the kind of situation we have here. Um, obviously, there is some differences, but I just think overall, it's really hard to trust these guys that have only a couple pitches. Um, I know that Morahon technically has more, but he just doesn't seem to trust them as much. And again, I know it's spring training. Maybe he's still just, maybe he wants to boost his uh, fastball a little bit. Maybe he wants to focus more on that. I don't know, but I just feel like in spring training, you should be working on those other pitches and batters are just waiting. And it doesn't matter how fast the baseball goes. Fast the baseball goes, that's a... Such a casual like way of stating that, making that statement. It doesn't matter how fast that baseball goes. Um, <laughs> I'm like a politician when they talk about March Madness. We need to get the ball in the hoop and pass the live legislation. Uh, I think that with um, Adrian Monahan's fastball, hey, we saw you see guys like Hunter Green, who's this really fascinating prospect for the Reds, who just throws 100 all the time, like every pitch. He threw like 60 pitches. One of his uh, starts last year against the Dodgers was one of his few good starts. And they were all going like 99-100. It was incredible. But the fastball's too straight. And that's what I'm worried about um, with Adrian Monahan is that the fastball just isn't electric enough and he doesn't trust his secondary pitches. And if that's the case, then while I did put pins to the Lockdown Padres Twitter account, you know, the summoning circle to hope that Adrian Monahan has a breakout season, maybe it's just not going to happen to him. I don't think the book is totally out on him yet. I don't think it's closed, but I think we're really close to it. And I know that this sounds like I'm overreacting to a spring training start. I probably am, but that's just how I feel. I just don't think that he's looked all that impressive in the spring thus far. And getting torched by the Angels really didn't help. Really didn't help. But again, who knows? Uh, This might be ridiculous, and he can come out in the regular season. He'll make the team. He could split time with... 
Martinez in the fifth spot. Maybe they give him the sixth spot to himself, whatever. Things can happen for sure. Um, and maybe that first week of the season uh, with Joe Musgrove, if he doesn't make his opening day start, which I saw him pitching uh, the other day. He, uh, you know, he wasn't doing a full. He's throwing, what's it called? Like flat-footed? I don't know what the term is um, because he, you know, stubbed his toe, so he wasn't putting pressure on it. I forgot what the word is for that. Um, so, yeah, I bet he's now going to make <laughs> his opening day start. But still, the point remains, guys. I'm a little bit worried about AJ Motohon and whether or not this is just a guy who's never going to be able to maximize the talent that he had in one area because he wasn't able to um, develop some of his secondary skills and talents with his, with his uh, off-speed stuff especially. So that's what I'm looking at. Hopefully he does it well because I like Adrian Warhol, and I think he's really fun, and I think he really, has a lot of talent, and it would be a shame because I've rooted him for him for a while. Rooted for him for a while. Um, and, yeah, I just – can he at least do what Cal Quantrill did for Cleveland? You know what I mean? Not with the same strikeout stuff, totally different pitchers, but – you know, they've been on the he's been on this team for a while and we keep waiting for the breakout. Cal Quantrill was on the team for a little bit and we were waiting for the breakout. He ends up getting traded. Maybe that's what AJ Monahone's destiny is. That he gets traded in a huge AJ Preller deal to land Corbin Burns, who I just said the Padres don't need at the beginning of this episode. I don't know anything. Is basically the point I'm trying to make to you guys. Why are you listening to me? Why? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm in a mood today. Anyway. That basically about does it for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Locked On Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. You remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Available everywhere, especially go check out YouTube as well if you want to see my handsome face. Um, so go check that out. In terms of future pods, still working on doing some crossovers with, with Jeff Snyder of Locked On Dodgers, who still is ignoring me. So everybody go tweet at him. Please, at Snydog, S-N-I-D-O-G on Twitter. Tell him to stop being a coward and to answer me. Um, and then we've also got uh, you know, some potential fun stuff with my buddy Mark talking about baseball economics. Some fantasy baseball talk we're planning to do in terms of Padres players, which is both has to do with the current Padres team and fantasy, which I think will be a lot of fun. Going to be talking about former trade um, targets or former... Uh, just targets in general for the Padres. Going to be talking about that. Going to be doing a very fun, in my opinion, a For the People episode tale of the tape nolan arenado versus manny machado who's better because this is still a debate and i th- i have some interesting thoughts on that that you might guys might be surprised on so look forward to all that and more and until next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my friend faithful homies take care